1: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by, and welcome to the Chorus Aviation, Inc. Third Quarter 2020 Earnings Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require further assistance, please press star 0. Thank you. I'd now like to hand the conference over to your moderator for today, Natalie McGann, Vice President, Investor Relations and Corporate Affairs, please go ahead.
2: Thank you, Jack. Hello and thank you for joining us today for our third quarter 2020 conference call and audio webcast. With me today from course are Joe Randall, President and Chief Executive Officer and Gary Osborne, Chief Financial Officer. We'll start by giving a brief overview of the results and then go on to questions from the analyst community. Because some of the discussion in this call may be forward-looking, I direct your attention to the caution regarding forward-looking information and statements, which are subject to various risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that are included or referenced in our management's discussion and analysis of the results and operations of Corus Aviation, Inc. for the period ended September 30, 2020. The Outlook section and other sections of our MD&A where such statements appear. In addition, some of the following discussion involves certain non-GAAP financial measures, including references to EBITDA, adjusted EBITDA, adjusted EBT, and adjusted net income. Please refer to our MD&A for a discussion relating to the use of such non-GAAP measures. I'll now turn the call over to Joe Randall.
3: Thank you, Natalie, and good morning, everyone. Our efforts continue to focus on ensuring safe operations, preserving our liquidity, and working with Air Canada and other customers to help them navigate through this ongoing pandemic. We're also advocating for government support for the recovery of the Canadian aviation sector. Gary will take you through our financial performance for the third quarter, which delivered earnings of 13 cents per basic share, or seven cents on an adjusted basis. Our liquidity now stands at 218 million. In the quarter, our CPA flying increased from 10 to 23% over the second quarter of this year. Our non-CPA lessees are showing moderate signs of more flying activity as evidenced by an increase from 28% in lease revenue collected in the second quarter to 50% collected in the third quarter. We were also pleased to see this trend continue further, with further improvement in October, with the receipt of approximately 58% in billed lease payments. Unfortunately, COVID-19 continues to spread around the world. We're seeing signs of a corresponding stalling in the resumption of flying activity globally. We are encouraged by the public statements made by the Honorable Marc Arnault Canada's Minister of Transport, on November 8th to begin immediate discussions with airlines on measures to protect Canadians from the impacts of COVID-19 on the air travel sector in Canada, and we are awaiting further details. Canadian airlines are significant contributors to economic growth in Canada. Regional airlines are key to the provision of employment opportunities and are facilitators for travel and tourism, contributing to the overall economic growth of the smaller communities to which they fly. Without this service, communities, businesses, academia, and tourism operators will struggle. We believe the aviation industry will eventually recover. People will travel again. We still believe the regional sector is the most resilient of the industry, with domestic travel being the first to resume. Demand for regional aircraft remains stronger than other aircraft types and we're seeing the Airbus 220 leading the pack. In fact, we delivered the third of five new A220-300s to Baltic of Latvia in September. Without knowing the length and depth of the damage resulting from the virus, it's difficult to predict how our industry and those entities that depend on it will manage. A prolonged pandemic will continue to challenge the passenger aviation industry. We recognize the recovery of passenger traffic will be protracted, sporadic, and will extend well into 2021 and beyond. We are taking all reasonable measures to protect and preserve our company. Overall, our portfolio of leased aircraft is holding up relatively well in the current environment. As previously reported, Aeromexico filed for voluntary Chapter 11 petitions in the United States on June 30th in order to implement the financial restructuring. We have three E-190s on lease to Aeromexico and hold security packages in respect of these aircraft. The aircraft are currently active in Aeromexico's operation and we're hopeful that they will be retained by the carrier. Voyager is performing well. We continue to bid on new flying contracts and have had some success including contract extensions. This is really the norm in the specialized contract flying business. It's an ongoing cycle and our employees are experts in delivering the highly unique and customized services our customers require. While our park sales division is challenged due to the pandemic, our MRO activity has increased after winning several new contracts in the second quarter. It was a welcome piece of good news when Jazz was named amongst Canada's safest employers 2020 winning gold in the public transportation category. This is JAZZ's fourth consecutive year accepting awards at the Canada's Safest Employers event. Last year, JAZZ received gold award in the transportation category. In 2018, JAZZ was awarded silver in the transportation and psychological safety categories. And in 2017, JAZZ won gold in the transportation category. My sincerest congratulations to the team it's a great bright spot to have these days as i as mentioned our air canada express operation is now at 23% of what it was in the same period last year we continue to work closely with air canada to help support its network and to reduce costs demand for air service will only return when people are confident that when people have confidence that their health and safety are protected and when the requirement for quarantine is reduced or eliminated. In Canada, we need a national COVID-19 testing regime that uses scientifically-based procedures to help facilitate the safe movement of passengers. This will allow an improved application of any quarantine restrictions. I applaud Air Canada's efforts in working with McMaster Health Labs and the Greater Toronto Airport Authority to demonstrate the validity of testing as a means to ease travel restrictions and quarantine requirements. And we'll be watching for developments in this regard as well at Calgary's airport. While the pilot programs underway in Calgary and Toronto to safely test an alternative to the two-week quarantine for international travelers are positive steps, much more such programs are needed, especially with the Atlantic bubble. Again, we urge government to act swiftly to implement current science-based approaches to COVID-19 testing of passengers to help support the recovery of passenger demand. In addition to feeling safe, passengers need affordable air transportation. In Canada, the multiple layers of fees and charges levied on passengers and airlines by various levels of government have greatly increased over the years and have had a disproportionately negative impact on regional services. (laughs) Since the pandemic, NAV Canada has increased fees by 30% and many airport authorities across Canada have also increased their charges by similar amounts, adding to higher ticket prices for travelers. In the short term, the Government of Canada needs to urgently consider assisting these service providers enrolling back these fee increases to help encourage travel demand, thereby helping the economy and the transportation sector recover. I'll conclude my comments first by thanking our employees, including those who are currently on an active status, for supporting our company in these difficult times. I sincerely look forward to the day when we're all at our posts and resuming the meaningful work we've done to grow and diversify our business. Secondly, I will not be providing any comment on the preliminary non-binding acquisition proposal we received last month, except to emphasize that the disclosure was made at the request of IROC. We do not have anything further to say on this matter at this time. Thank you very much, and now I'll pass the line over to Gary. Thank you, Joe, and good morning. Our third quarter
4: adjusted EBITDA was $85.9 million, a $6.8 million decrease over third quarter 2019. Adjusted net income was $10.9 million, an $18.2 million decrease over last year, which led to a decrease in adjusted EPS at $0.07 versus $0.18 last year. Here's how the third quarter of this year compares to 2019. The regional aircraft leasing segments adjusted EBITDA decreased by $4 million, primarily uh, due to a $4.1 million expected credit loss provision related to management's assessment, of CORUS's lessee credit risk, and lower margins due to the loss of revenue resulting from the repossession of 13 aircraft from three lessees, partially offset by growth in aircraft earning leasing revenue. Due to the impact of COVID-19, The non-cash general aircraft impairment provision of $11.2 million and $0.7 million for lease repossession costs were added back to adjusted EBITDA. The regional aviation services segments adjusted EBITDA decreased by $2.8 million. The results were primarily impacted by decreased capitalization of major maintenance overhauls on owned aircraft operated under the CPA of $2.7 million and a reduction in other revenue due to a decrease in third-party maintenance, repair, and overhaul activity, and reduced contract flying due to the economic impact of COVID-19. Offset by decreased stock-based compensation of $1.7 million, increased aircraft leasing under the CPA, and decreased general administrative expenses. Adjusted net income was $10.9 million for the quarter, a decrease of $18.2 million, due to a $6.8 million decrease in adjusted EBITDA, as previously described, an increase in depreciation of $4.5 million primarily related to additional aircraft in the air- regional aircraft leasing segment, an increase in net interest cost of $7.6 million primarily related to the 5.75% unsecured debentures, the unsecured revolving credit facility, and additional aircraft debt in the regional aircraft leasing segment, and an increase of $3 million in realized foreign exchange and unrealized foreign exchange losses on working capital offset by a $3 million decrease in adjusted income tax expense. Net income decreased $3.7 million due to the previously noted $18.2 million decrease in adjusted net income, $11.2 million general impairment provision, and $0.7 million in lease repossession costs offset by the change in net unrealized foreign exchange on long-term debt of $24.9 million, and tax recovery on adjusted items of $1.5 million. Liquidity improved in the third quarter by approximately $30 million, with $218 million in liquidity, including $35 million of available room on our committed revolving debt facility. This improvement was primarily due to positive operating cash flows, working capital improvements resulted, resulting from increased flight operations, and the financing of previously unencumbered aircraft. As mentioned above, working capital improved in the quarter primarily related to increased accounts payable due to increased airline operations over the second quarter in addition to increased interest accruals related to the timing of the venture interest payments and interest associated with the loan deferral program partially offset by an increase in Air Canada receivables and CAC lease deferral receivables. Other key liquidity movements in the quarter include payments on long-term borrowings of $31.6 million and investments in property and equipment net of financing of $13.2 million. Cash increased in the quarter primarily due to the increase in loan repayment deferrals of $13.5 million, or approximately $10 million U.S., with our largest lender, EDC. These deferrals allow us to defer our payments of principal and interest to the end of the year providing us the ability to better match our debt payments with the lease deferral arrangements. In the fourth quarter, we expect our liquidity to be relatively constant as we continue with measures to preserve liquidity given the uncertainty related to the duration and impact of COVID-19. As we look ahead, we have seen our our rental revenue received in the Regional Aircraft Leasing Division increase to 58% in October, and we expect this will continue to improve over the next quarters if travel restrictions ease and airlines are able to increase their revenue generating capacity. We've reduced our capital expenditure forecast by $6 billion since our second report out and forecast maintenance capital expenditures and heavy checks to be within a planned range of 17 to 23 million for the year. Aircraft related acquisitions are expected to to be between 417 and 426 million, down 64 million from previous disclosure as a result of two aircraft for an undisclosed customer being moved to 2021 and a decrease in foreign exchange rate. We estimate our cash outlay for the remaining growth capex uh, expenditures to be approximately 10 million net of anticipated financing arrangements. The remaining deliveries are subject to financing and certain closing terms. That concludes my commentary. Thank you for listening. Operator, we, are open, to call, we open the call to questions from the analyst community when you are ready.
1: Certainly, at this time, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Again, that is star one on your telephone keypad. Connor Gupta with Scotiabank, your line is open.
2: Mr. Gupta, your line is open. Hello, can you hear me? Hello. 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 Hello.
1: Yes, this is uh, Amina Cornex, associate. I do have a question on liquidity. You expect liquidity to remain uh, relatively stable in Q4 with the extension of the CAE, CAC loan deferral, and the secured financing of the six CRJ nine nine hundreds. How should we think about funding the two eight twenty twenties? For the ABALDIC cash flow operations and working capital in Q4?
4: So, this area here, we expect to, to remain relatively constant in the quarter in around that $200 million that we talked about in Q2 as far as liquidity goes. As far as the A220s, if you look at the disclosure, we put in around $10 million Canadian as being the net amount of financing, net of financing amount that will be the draw related to those. So, that's how you can model the A220s.
1: Okay, thank you. No other questions. Yep. Doug Taylor with Canaccord Genuity. Your line is open.
2: Yeah,
5: I'd like to follow that up. First of all, good morning. Uh, I would like to follow Very up uh, with another couple questions about the liquidity. I mean, are you planning any other liquidity in enhancement measures um, outside of you know your, your general cash flow um, uh, for Q4 to, to help keep it at that um, $200 million level?
4: No, we are not, Doug. Uh, that is uh, based on the
5: current uh, status and, and continuing as we are. And then in, in terms of, you know, the, the drain on your liquidity caused by commitments that you made perhaps prior to COVID with respect to the leasing fleet, would you see Q4 now as being kind of the, you know, the the last remaining major kind of hurdle or drain? And then as we look into next year with the capital commitments that you have, you expect, um, the the pressure on your liquidity from those commitments to to ease is that uh, the right way to think about it?
4: By and large, I, I think if you look at what we've uh, got, we got two A A220s coming in for roughly ten million Canadian. We still have two to an undisclosed customer sometime next year. The timing of that is quite fluid, and uh, we don't know exactly where it's going to happen. But that is it for the the current commitments.
3: The CRJs this
4: will be delivered by the end. And the other side to note too is back to our disclosure. We did pay all the equity requirements on all the CRJ900s in Q3, so the remaining CRJ900s that come in um, will uh, not draw any cash because the financing will cover the the remainder for those aircraft.
5: Okay, Um, maybe last question about liquidity. Uh, I mean, just to be clear, the receivable related to the guardrail with Air Canada that has, has been building up on your balance sheet, can you just confirm for us the timing of the expected collection of that?
4: It is Q1 next year.
5: Okay. Um, so, I mean, stepping back and looking at, you know, the lease portfolio in q you know, would you say Q3 with all of the, you know, the, 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 the the aircraft that are now being remarketed and have come out of the lease portfolio is a good, you know, baseline in terms of the revenue and profitability of that business and then these these additions in terms of the Air Baltic A220s, I mean, should be additive to the earnings power of that portfolio going forward? I mean, in generally or qualitatively, is that the right way to think about it? I think you can look at Q3 as having the sum of all events that
4: we've seen to date so you've got the 13 aircraft essentially of by and large uh, you've got the 50 or sorry, 50% uh, uh, as far as revenue collected so I think it's a good base moving forward Doug and then as far as you know uh, layering things in you know we have a couple more a220s to come in Uh, we continue to monitor our lessees Um, you know it is a dynamic situation in the marketplace so you know it's hard to really give you a lot of guidance around that we are hoping the rental revenue will increase, it was 58% in October, and we're, you know, we're cautiously optimistic around that, but we continue to evaluate the lessees, so those bumps and, and, uh, and things like that that could be associated with that are very difficult to predict, but I think you could, I think you could look at where we're at today in Q3, and it's, a, it's a not a bad launching off point for your modeling and where we're going to move uh, from go forward.
5: Yeah, that's helpful. And just to be clear, I mean, going from 50% to 58%, the, the, the degree of collections does not have bearing on the earnings power. It's more that's more of a balance sheet item. You got it. That,
4: yeah. yeah. yeah, you're right. um, yeah.
5: Uh, a couple, just a couple uh, credit questions. First of all, I mean, Air Baltic, are they among the members of your lessee that are current with their payments?
4: Uh, yes, they are. We have no issues with Air Baltic under their payment terms.
5: Okay, and then last one for me, um, the $4.1 million uh, reduction in earnings related to the credit provision you've taken, is that related to a single entity or is that multiple uh, airlines that you've taken some provisions on?
4: It's across all SEs. We evaluate them for expected credit laws or, or risk associated with, uh, with the receivable, and we book a provision related to all of them.
5: Okay, I've uh, probably asked enough questions. I'll pass the line.
1: David Ocampo with Cormark Securities. Your line is open. Uh,
0: thanks. I just wanted to follow up on Doug's question related to the cost guardrail. I'm just trying to get a sense of the accounting treatment behind that. Was the was the uh, the payments recognized in the income statement for, for each respective quarter, or is that something that's gonna all appear in Q1? So
4: what happens is um, we recognize the revenue as we go through each quarter. Uh, related to the controllable cost guardrail um, and what ends up happening is you'll see you'll see the receivable bills it'll be in the accounts receivable balance obviously reducing our cash and then in Q1 next year we'll collect that and it'll go back into cash
0: okay that makes sense Gary uh, and this is a bit of a longer-term question so I appreciate it if you can't answer it but when we look at the the 2026 to 2035 period for your CPA agreement there is a noticeable step down. And, and we, we uh, like I always assumed that this would get backfilled somehow with, with some sort of leasing revenue. But maybe you can comment on, on your discussions with Air Canada and perhaps should we think about this as a more permanent step down now given the state of the industry?
3: Well, we're, we're obviously speaking with Air Canada frequently and considering the ever-changing market dynamics. There's, uh, there's still, um, you know, a lot of unknowns. Uh, we're, for now, we're continuing to focus on redu- the reduction of costs, and as well helping Air Canada preserve and plan on how it's going to recover its network here. So uh, we're uh, we're having those discussions, and um, you know the the fleet commitment remains in place in the CPA. Uh, but of course, as we look forward, uh, we we look at various scenarios and and working closely with Air Canada to, uh, to find ways that we can assist and work together to improve the, our outlook on both sides.
0: That's great, Joe. And then the last one here for me, just on the aircraft that have been repossessed, how much leniency do you guys have with the remarketing term? I know some of them are short of six months um, before you may have to make that, uh, those bullet payments on the debt structures.
4: So if you, you look at the uh, aircraft that have been repossessed, all but three, or all, all but uh, two, uh, three uh, have uh, remarketing periods that are 24 months, uh, as they're through EDC, and uh, we're working with the lender on that remaining amount. It's around 10 million U.S. that could potentially come due if uh, if circumstance warrant in Q1. But we are prepared around that piece. We're not uh, over, We're not worried at all about that, uh, that loan call.
1: That's great, that's it for me guys. Thanks. Okay. Again, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. Ryan Sarud with RBC Capital Markets, your line is open.
0: Hi, good morning. It's it's Raul calling in for Walter. Um just just to quickly kinda uh, start off here, um I was wondering if you're able to unpack some of the detail in, in the working capital trend expected during Q4 and, and perhaps even Q one as well um it sounds as though receivable headwinds and leasing are expected to be partially offset by so security packages so so just kind of trying to wrap my head around it, Is it fair to assume a modest working capital headwind in, in, in q4 yeah
4: i think you could you can assume a modest one um, q4 is always you know if you look at even the cpa division and passenger traffic in general it's always a slower period and i think you know in the COVID environment is probably a little more than normal so there'll be a little bit uh, of a draw in that range, but then, you know, I would turn around and say, look, you know, we also are still generating this positive cash from operations Our receipts from the, the, the regional aircraft leasing side are, are coming in, uh, you know, a bit above what we saw in Q3. So, I think you can model overall, you know, based on the guidance we've given you, the uh, CPA guardrails and the lease receivables in the deferrals, and you can get a pretty good idea. There's a little bit of a draw there.
0: Okay. Okay. No, that's that, that's helpful. Um, that's that, That's it for me, too. I'll pass the line, thanks.
1: Again, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. There are no further questions at this time. It's now my pleasure to turn the call back over to Chorus Aviation for closing remarks.
2: Thank you very much, Jack. We will now conclude the call and thank everyone for dialing in. Have a great day.
1: This concludes today's call. We thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.
0: Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.